Hello and welcome to the Why I Knit podcast. My name is Dr Mia Hobbs and I'm a clinical psychologist who is passionate about knitting and its benefits for our mental health. Each week on the podcast I interview a different knitter about why they knit and how it benefits their mental health. This week on the podcast I'm joined by Caleb James. Caleb is a relatively new but very prolific knitter who learnt to knit during the coronavirus pandemic. Caleb speaks about using knitting to find a way to slow down, manage anxiety and connect to others. Hi Caleb, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being interviewed. Um, I always start the podcast with asking where your story with knitting began. So where did yours start? So that one's like a couple, like a double whammy. Um, yeah. I was in summer camp at 10 years old and I'm pretty sure the counselor just wanted us to sit still and leave her alone. Um, <laughs> so she taught us how to knit. And after that summer, it didn't really go anywhere. We learned the foundation, like how to make a dishcloth and a garter stitch scarf. Mm-hmm. And then um, shortly after that, my mom started knitting. So there was a couple of belts that I had made with her. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of faded out because, I mean, at that age, you can't really keep your attention focused that long yeah and And I guess knitting takes a long time to get a thing doesn't it like you have to be quite patient yeah beyond garter stitch everything else you kind of have to learn I mean yarn or yarn overs we all learn accidentally but then when we have to learn them it becomes a very weird moment of how do I do this again Mm. (laughs) am I wrapping it the right way but we can do them accidentally no issue yeah and the second time was right at the start of the pandemic I my mom died in 2019 and then the pandemic happened and it was a mix of I want something that'll keep me connected to her and I also need something to cope with anxiety because we didn't really know what was going to happen or how long we were going to be locked inside so from there it just kind of took off Mm. so did you did your mum carry on knitting so you kind of stopped after you did your your few belts and things did you was your mum kind of much more of a knitter yes uh she made pretty much everything she made ponchos scarves shawls sweaters socks hats pretty much whatever (laughs) little gnomes a couple of times Uh, so did it seem like the obvious thing to kind of feel connected to your mum yeah 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 she was always going to knit night always dragging me to yarn stores so I used to hate going to yarn stores and now I'm in one every weekend okay so it sounds like those two things came together and that felt like the right time and how easy was it to get back into it then at the start of the pandemic I could do a scarf really easily (laughs) so you could remember that much you didn't have to kind of relearn the basic knit stitch yeah, learning how to do the basic knit stitch and casting on was very easy. It was knitting in the round or knitting a hat that felt impossible to me. Mm-hmm. And then slowly but surely, I got bored of knitting everybody's scarves. So, so did you, I guess you did all of that through like YouTube or um, online if it was, if you were stuck at home in the pandemic? Yeah, uh, so 
learning how to purl again was on YouTube, but picking up the needles and doing garter stitch was just muscle memory. Mm, sure. It's amazing, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people have a similar story of I was taught as a kid, then I didn't do it for ages, then something like I started again as an adult and that's when it really clicked. I don't know if you were more interested in it. Um, if you remember at summer camp, did you take to it easily? Like, did you, did it feel like it worked for you easier than other kids or do you not really particularly think so? I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. When you said, you said you wanted to feel connected to your mum and to cope with anxiety, do you think you did it deliberately? Because I guess I feel like I arrived at the conclusion it helped, it was helpful for my mental health after quite a long time of being a knitter. Like, I don't think I went into it with that intention, but it sounds like maybe you were a bit more intentional about that. It was a craft that I knew I would have to sit there and focus, but Mm. also was enough of a, just keep your hands in a rhythmic motion so you're not running around your house frantically bleaching everything. (laughs) Okay, yeah. And a mix of, my mom was literally knit night twice a week in a yarn shop every weekend for hours on end and that I kind of felt like okay like if she was that obsessed with it then maybe maybe I will be too Mm. did it feel helpful straight away or did it take a bit because I know sometimes at the beginning it can be quite frustrating you don't really know and even if you can now look stuff up on YouTube you've got to know what the mistake you've made is called enough to be able to like google it (laughs) yeah it was at first it was fine Um, yeah like I said it was muscle memory it was Mm. once I started branching out a hat felt impossible and then the next thing it was knitting or knitting the round felt impossible and then once I got that a hat felt impossible and then Mm. so on and so forth Mm. and what do you think kept you going like what what made it work for you as a hobby? I would keep telling myself I couldn't do it. And then I would get so bored of doing one set thing. So I made a bunch of scarves. And then from there, I made a bunch of cowls in the round. Yeah. (laughs) And then I got bored. And then once I hit that point of, okay, I can't keep making the same thing was when I was like, okay, I need to force myself to do this. Mm. Okay, so you would kind of do one thing, get confident with it, get bored of it, then look for the next challenge. Yes. And did you get a sense of achievement when you like mastered the new thing, like the knitting in the round or the pearl stitch or? Once I completed an item, it wasn't like a, oh, I did it. Here we go. I'm on my way. It was once I learned it, completed the item and then looked at it and I was like, oh, okay, I, I can do that. Okay, so you were quite hard on yourself. You had quite high standards <laughs> for feeling like you had achieved something. Very much so, yeah. Okay, <laughs> sure. And how long was it before you felt like, oh, there's something in this. This is kind of helpful for me. Like, It was about two weeks. Okay, so pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say, like, how does knitting make you feel? It. It honestly, it built up a nice little community for me. It, mm. I slowly worked my way into a yarn shop because at first it was always Joann's or Michael's and mm-hmm. I was just buying commercial yarn. And then I was like, okay, I want to you know branch out a little bit because I mean, my mom did it. So <laughs> I yeah. have to be able to do it too. 
And from there, I built a community of like-minded individuals. And on top of that, I'm able to just sit there and kind of go brain dead, depending on the project. I can go brain dead and just let the TV play. I've gotten to the point where I don't have to look at my knitting depending on the project. Yeah. So it, I can phase out, watch TV and just yeah go go and go is, go go <laughs> is that what you like about it the idea the kind of it gives you the opportunity to kind of zone out from the rest of life for a bit yeah yeah so it kind of gives you a break exactly yeah I can't think about bad things when I'm multitasking technically <laughs> mm, yeah and I think that's what a, a lot of us find appealing about it is that it it kind of absorbs your brain in a different way so you can't think about the stressful stuff while yeah. doing it yeah okay and it sounds like you maybe are quite a busy person otherwise that maybe you needed something like this to make you sit down <laughs> yes yes absolutely I was constantly running around pre-pandemic um I had two jobs plus a bar job mm. and then um at that moment I was um in a relationship so we had three dogs collectively and they were all three Aussies. So it was a constant go, 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 go. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And I think, I don't know, I know certainly I think some people who are used to having a very busy life when the pandemic then hit, found that quite challenging. The idea of, oh, there's so much of the stuff that I was normally doing in my life, I can't do anymore. And they've got this kind of energy that they would usually use for work and busy social lives and lots of things that doesn't have any, doesn't have an outlet anymore. Yeah, my house was the cleanest it's ever been. <laughs> when it first started, it was, like I said, I was bleaching for hours. Yeah, and how was knitting, knitting impacted on the cleanliness of your house? <laughs> Other than, uh, you know, project bags everywhere, yarn everywhere, it, it's still pretty clean. <laughs> Just, you know, little piles of knitting everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it sounds like part of what's kept you knitting has been the kind of community element that's connected you to different people that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been in your life. Yes. Um, yeah, going to yarn shops. And what does that bring you in terms of those connections? Is it kind of different types of people that you wouldn't otherwise have met? It they're, The people that I've met knitting are a lot calmer than the people pre-pandemic um because I didn't realize how anxious I was before the pandemic had happened because I was constantly running around I was distracting myself <laughs> mm -hmm. and then it happened um and then I, I didn't really have a choice but to sit there and be home mm. and now that you know everything's not normal but normal yeah <laughs> uh the people that I have in my life now and I have a completely different job and relationship and everything um, it's been I was able to get a hold of my anxiety a little bit more and mm. slow it down I'm in the later part of my 20s so mm -hmm. um, now's the time to just actually live versus trying to live and the friends that I've made through knitting have definitely slowed me down made me they're there they're not there just to 
be with they're like actually present available you can have a conversation with them and they actually care Hmm. and do you think it's helped you be a bit more kind of present and connected the knitting that slowed you down a little bit yeah it definitely forces me to well not force but (laughs) yeah it definitely allows me to have the mental capacity to realize that the connections that I have are not there to hurt me so Mm. I can be more myself and Mm. open and have multitudes of conversations without having to worry about being judged. Mm. And do you think if there was a day when you were feeling anxious, do you think knitting would help? Like, does it help in that kind of situation? Those are the days that I can knit a sweater in like three days. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you're still super productive by the sounds (laughs) of things. Because that would never be an option for me. (laughs) Okay. And then you find that it helps with the anxiety. It does, yes. Yeah. In what kind, can you, do you know, can you identify how it helps? It's the rhythmic motion. Hmm. I'm able to see my progress. Yeah and keep my hands moving at the same time. So it's almost like instant gratification, just not instant. Yeah, sure. Instant for knitting, I guess. Three days is pretty instant (laughs) for knitting, isn't it, for a sweater? And how about the kind of things you choose to knit? Has that changed over the time that you've been knitting? It does. I went from primarily shawls, yeah, uh, because I was afraid of making sweaters. And then I I was exactly the same. they have to fit yes yes they have to fit and then you also have to do a bunch of decreases and mm-hmm. increases and all those fun things plus check the, your the idea check your well <laughs> you're supposed to yeah it depends <laughs> but um now I have made I believe it's 26 garments this year wow that's loads <laughs> and are they mostly for you they are yeah I, I don't like to knit for for family <laughs> hmm. and so you're wearing presumably regularly things you've made yes yeah and how is your what's your relationship like with the stuff that you wear because I feel like uh becoming someone who makes my own clothes has really changed my relationship with what I choose to wear I wonder how it is for you yeah well I'm able to make things fit the way I want them to fit which makes me feel more confident in how I'm presenting myself in public yeah and that and we all love the the compliment of I love your sweater and then the the comeback of thanks I made it yeah and I guess you're maybe not the typical what people typically think of as a key knitting demographic like you're young do people are people ever surprised when you say yeah I made it myself they, a lot of people just assume that I have a family member who knits. Uh-huh. And are they and, impressed? Yeah, primarily, or they ask me to make them something, yeah. and it's a quick, it's a quick no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. And do you get that? Oh, you should sell that. Yeah. The other thing people say after they've asked it's... you to make them one. <laughs> yeah, it, or what's your Etsy? And from there, just... Well, we both know, like, the the hand-dyed yarn is very expensive, and we don't admit to ourselves, let alone other people, how much things actually (laughs) cost. (laughs) Yeah. So, 
to make let alone the hourly rate which would be yeah yeah to make a profit would be impossible yeah sure Okay, and in terms of the things that, are there other things about knitting that you feel like benefit your mental health? So I know lots of people talk about things like being able to be in control of like the colours or the textures or the, um, that kind of thing. Does that make a difference for you? Yes and no. I, (laughs) I, if you look at my stash, you can see that it's primarily rainbow. But then if you look at my feed, it's not rainbow at all. Okay. (laughs) So buying me versus knitting me are completely different people. Okay. So you wouldn't necessarily wear all of the stuff that's in your stash? Not necessarily. Will it get knitted? It will. It will. Okay. Most of my stash is fingering weight. So then I just get socks. Okay. So then I will wear it in the sense of socks, but that gets covered up. Okay, sure. But you know it's there. Yeah, I know it's there. Yeah. And I always feel a little happy glow when I'm wearing like, you know, brightly colored socks under boots. Nobody knows, but I know. And it makes a difference. Yeah. On a rainy day, your feet are happy. Yes. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like it, you know, you get the little boost of the compliments. You also get the maybe self-expression of being able to have a sweater that fits exactly how you want it to and is in the colours you've chosen. And it sounds like maybe the yarn buying is almost a slightly separate hobby. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's you get knitting for me or yarn for me, I should say, is you get the joy of going to a store. You get (laughs) the joy of figuring out what you're going to buy. So retail therapy and then you get to buy it. So then you have a collection <laughs> and then you get to make something with it, which is another fun thing. And then from there you have something. Yeah. That's so you check a yours. lot of boxes. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of boxes. Definitely. And in terms of uh, the things that you're knitting now, do you think more about like what the end thing will be? Like I want the sweater that looks like this or I want it in this color to go with this thing. Or are you thinking more about the process of, I don't know, I feel like doing cables or I feel like knitting lace or I don't know. Have you, do you gravitate towards one or the other? It depends on how I feel mm. <laughs> when I pick up this game. Um, if I don't have any whips going, which is rare, but it yeah. does happen. Um, if I look at it and I think about like, oh, here's how many sweaters that I have that look like this maybe I should make something that looks like this so I very much look at both what I have knit in the past yeah and what I need in my collection so it feels a bit more like you're thinking about the end product and your wardrobe in a way rather than um feeling like oh I need to I don't know I suppose I feel like I do more of the process I think I want to do some I don't know complicated color work or and then I think that ends up dictating what happens to be in my wardrobe (laughs) yeah have you got more more than one project on the go at once I have four sweaters going right now okay and is that fairly standard for you it's the lowest amount of whips that I've had in the past couple of months normally I have around 10 or 12 oh wow and how do you choose which one you reach for on a given day whatever bag's closest okay so you it's not about like oh I really need something simple to knit now because I don't know I've got to concentrate on something else or it's more about whatever happens to be there 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I always do need like a refresher project between sweaters, even if I have a bunch on the needles. Um, so I'll do like a hat or something simple in between. Okay. I had someone in a podcast recently call that like a palate cleanser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a quick <laughs> fix project. And are you happy enough to have like big projects? Because I guess for me, a sweater might take me quite a long time. And I don't necessarily finish things very often because if I'm knitting sweaters, which is probably mainly what I knit, they might take me like months and months. Although maybe you're a lot quicker. <laughs> I I do like knitting the bigger things. Yeah. Yeah. But I do need those palette cleansers. Um, a sweater for me could take anywhere between five days to two weeks. Wow. So that that's still pretty quick, though. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you're knitting every day, presumably. Yeah. Uh, about yeah. four hours a day, oh, roughly. Wow. Yeah. Do you miss it when you don't do it? Like if you couldn't, I don't know, you were busy one day, you couldn't knit. I do miss it. I do try and keep something because I have a little backpack that I carry with me everywhere. And I try to keep knitting in there at all times. Okay. So you're an out and about knitter. I am. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And how, what kind of conversations does that spark with other people? Presumably people comment. I get a lot of looks. Um, yeah. A couple of people ask me, you know, what am I crocheting uh, when I'm knitting or vice versa? What am I knitting when I'm crocheting? Or I get the, um, oh, my grandmother used to do that. Mm. <laughs> I had somebody on a train ask to have a go once at my knitting. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, no, sorry. <laughs> this is like the <laughs> middle of a cardigan. That's not happening. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I'll happily teach you if I had some spare needles and yarn, but you're not knitting on my knitting, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was asked to talk about a specific significant knitting project that you can think of. Can you think of something that's been significant for you in your knitting journey? It would probably be my first sweater, which mm -hmm. was a nightmare. Um, okay. <laughs> and <laughs> it, I skipped over the short row section because it was something I've never done before. So how early um, in your knitting journey was this first sweater? That was about a year and a half in. So I only, well, probably more closer to a year. Um, my first sweater I made in November of 2021. Okay. So we, I can't remember. So you were free then at that point, not yes. stuck at home in lockdown. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I skipped the short rows. It was a top-down raglan and um, yarn over increases. <laughs> so it was the holy increase one. Um, and I didn't do any decreasing on <laughs> So it was this very big, boxy, oversized. No decrease on the sleeves even? No decrease uh -huh. on the sleeves okay. even. <laughs> so was the, there a pattern the, uh, there was it was um I believe it was called my favorite sweater okay I can't remember who made it or okay. designed it yeah but it was one of those things where I, I read the reviews I read the project notes I scrolled through and I was like I I can I can do this I've been making shawls I can figure it out and I skipped all the decreases, the short rows, and it just ended up being this very boxy, oversized um, belly shirt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and have you worn it? I've worn it as like an undershirt a couple okay. of times uh, just mm -hmm. while walking my dogs because I bought 
very rustic yarn to stay on like the cheaper end of things yeah for my first sweater (laughs) and that's actually only like a year ago yeah so you've gone from that to knitting 26 did you say 26 sweaters this year wow so that's a really steep like learning curve you've been on because I've seen your sweaters on (laughs) Instagram and there's like lace yokes and all sorts now yes it's been a pretty quick (laughs) yeah pretty quick journey I can do basic color work that's the next thing I want to tackle okay Mm. so are you it sounds like you're quite a like you've always got the next goal in mind (laughs) yes yeah yeah and is that because you like the sense of achievement when you kind of conquered the next thing yeah it's part of the enjoyment I do have like this wardrobe in mind and I'm working my way toward it Okay, so it's about it being in your wardrobe and that motivates you to get the skills to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I love knitting too, but I am, I, I would say I'm more of like a product knitter, but I do love the process. But if I had to pick, I would definitely be the product. Okay, yeah. I think I'd be the process. I think if I was on a desert island with one ball of like brown yarn, I'd knit it and unravel it. And then knit it in a different pattern and unravel it <laughs> to, uh, yeah, help with my sanity, I think, in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, so that was a significant sweater. Did it feel like an achievement once you had it, even if it didn't fit, like, even if it was not quite what you'd envisaged? Yeah, I was definitely happy with the fact that I was able to make a sweater. Um, I, I was very the most happy with the way it looked yeah but it was one of those things where it was like okay I've got a good starting point here's what I learned here's what I can fix so it sounds like you've got quite a balanced view of that process like you were able to take the good and the bad from that situation and use it for your experience for the next one yes I am constantly trying new things now on sweaters to get them to fit more I don't have like a, I like to wear fitted clothing. And then, so a lot of the patterns that I do knit are primarily for a female body. Yeah. So from there, I have to modify the pattern in a way so it won't, they're very chesty and I don't have a chest. Sure. Um, And then from there, I have to get it more fitted on the body. Yeah. So that, I mean, that to me is like, you know, the adapting of patterns is like almost like a whole different skill to learn how to do that. I don't know whether that's something you've done through trial and error or whether it's something you've found places to learn how to do those adaptations. I've gotten to the point where I can um, cast on a sweater without a pattern. Like I figured out through modifying a bunch of patterns uh, what, what gauge I'll need, um, like what weight of yarn plus what needle would be what I would need for X amount of stitches and X amount of raglan or yoke wow. inches. And is that something that attracts you, the idea of being able to just design it yourself, the sweater of your dreams? <laughs> <laughs> for me, for myself, yes. But the biggest thing that I worry about is I keep getting like a little bit of push (laughs) to design and I I don't think I would want to turn my hobby into monetary yeah 
what would worry you about that everything <laughs> is it the it loss doesn't... of the like joy like do you feel like it would lose your it would it would definitely be like loss of joy I I am one of those people who if I do turn my hobby into a job I kind of lose the joy in it mm, yeah I think I would be concerned about the same and I think I like I even avoid deadlines like gifts for you know if it was a tight deadline I've never I've been really tempted to apply to test knit various things but I just think I that for me would stress me out to meet a deadline I wouldn't be able to do it yeah and I think it would take the joy away for me yeah I like test knitting depending Mm. on both the designer and the pattern if it's one of those like full lace um like yoke sweaters and stuff like that and they want it done in two weeks I can't do it (laughs) but if it's you know they're going to give me a month and a half we'll say for a full lace sweater then depending on what the lace looks like and if it's written or charted and there's various (laughs) factors in it yeah so you've Um, got like criteria I do yeah Yeah. sure and I've heard from yeah, I've heard from other people that there's kind of a social side of test knitting that's been that other people have kind of liked being part of a kind of group of test knitters. They've made new friends that way. Yeah, you get a little community. Sometimes it gets a little hectic if there's a flaw in the pattern and then your phone blows up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. What's your relationship like with mistakes in knitting? Because I think it's something that happens all of the like we as knitters accept that you will make mistakes and that will involve I don't know managing them in some way either frogging it or fudging it or and people have varying degrees of stress about it I don't know where what's your response to mistakes uh it would have to depend on the pattern if it's lace there's no way I'm gonna figure it out (laughs) yeah what so you'd rip it Uh back I would rip it back, yes. Um, if it's just stockinette and something that I can drop down and fix, then I would absolutely do it. And if it's if I was off on gauge on like a pattern, I would definitely pull back. And do you so does it, it bother you to rip it back? It does, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Um it depends on how far. I've gotten if I've gotten to a sleeve split and I'm you know already working on the body and then I'm like oh yeah I should try this on and I figure out it's either too small or too big and figure out I have to pull back yeah that's when I get a little bit upset I used to really dislike going to bed further back than when I started knitting that evening you know when you kind of ripped it back and then you want to re-knit and I felt like I don't want to go to bed until I've re-knitted the amount yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden it's 2 a.m. and you're like, yeah. okay, I need to go to bed. <laughs> Whereas now I think I'm a lot less bothered about those things. I think especially something like fit. Like if I felt like I was at risk of it not fitting, I would 100% rip it. Yeah. Rip it back. Yeah, sure. Um, I always ask about something outside of knitting that you feel that benefits your mental health. Is there something that comes to mind for you? my dogs <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, they're very active so they force me to be active so hiking trails taking them swimming oh cool 
And they are Australian shepherd dogs, you said? Yes. They're very, very trail heavy. They like to run in the wild. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. So that uh, do you think that they made you do things you wouldn't otherwise do with the dogs? Yes, absolutely. Especially since um, New Hampshire does have a leash law, but if you go far enough into the woods and you know no one's around, yeah, um, they definitely go off leash. And um, those types of areas, I don't have service. So I'm very disconnected and just fully focused on them. Mm. Sure. So it sounds like it, in a way, a little bit similar to knitting. It allows you to kind of disconnect from the busyness and be a bit present with them. Um, I always end the podcast with asking, what's the greatest gift knitting has given you for the rest of your life? What is it for you, Caleb? Connection, community, anxiety help. (laughs) (laughs) Plus accomplishment. I get to have all of a a bunch of boxes checked and then I have something to show for it. Mm. Yeah, and it sounds like you've really ticked that box like very quickly in terms of your the amount you've knitted and the, yeah. all of the different skills you must have learned since that first sweater one year ago. Yeah, the the goal for next year is 40 sweaters. Oh, wow, you've got a goal in terms so, of the number. You're going to have the best I, wardrobe ever. I want to at least knit 40 and at least one of them has to be color work. Okay, yeah. So that's, uh, have you got your eye on a particular one? Uh, there's a couple. I believe the first one was Boxes for Felix. Oh, Pull over. One. I'll have to look it up. It's by Tough City Knits, I believe. <laughs> okay. She just made the adult version because um, she had a kid's version. And the other one, I can't think of the name. Okay. Well, I'm going to go and look it up afterwards. Have you got one that you're most, uh, like, knitted item you're most proud of so far? Most proud of? Yeah. No. <laughs> They're all pretty on the same caliber. Um, the ones that I don't wear anymore, or don't wear anymore. I kept the first one, but there are a couple that, like, I've outgrown and thrown away kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but my favorite pattern, which I can knit without looking at the pattern anymore, would be the Love Note by Tin Can Knits. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah. So how many of those have you made? I have made 12. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's so many. I can I can understand that you don't need the pattern anymore. And that's got a lace <laughs> section, hasn't it? It does, yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a very easy lace section. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of, I, I do like those lace sections where it's kind of a relatively small repeat. So you can kind of memorize it. So you don't have to look at the chart while you're knitting it. It's a 12 stitch repeat. But uh-huh. if you think of it in a way of like, there's always a middle spine. So you only have to remember six stitches and then do the reverse. So, uh-huh. Or not or six. No, that's that doesn't sound right. Somewhere in that variation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. And I guess if you can, once you get to the point where you can see it mm-hmm. in the knitting. Once it creates the little leaf, you can figure yeah. out what the next section is going to be. Yeah. Cool. So it sounds like colour work is your next challenge. It is, yes. 
Yeah. And do you, are you like a self-learner? Do you ever go to like classes and things or do you kind of figure it out yourself? It's between YouTube and self-learning and asking my knitting friends. Okay. So you've got like a community of people to support you now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, Caleb, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Um, If anyone wants to look at your amazing sweaters, there are very many of them. (laughs) How would they follow you on Instagram or anywhere else you're online? It would be um, all things Caleb with an underscore under every word Okay. on Instagram. On Instagram. And is that the best place to see your work? Yes. Yes. I am very bad at updating my Ravelry. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, me too. Although when I go back and knit something, I always really wish I had because I want to know what needle size I used. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I should, or at least a knitting journal or something in there, but I haven't yet. <laughs> no, and I guess you must struggle to keep track with being so fast. Like you must, you can't remember all of those 26 sweaters, presumably. I remember the patterns or if I've done them from like my own brain yeah um but luckily a lot of indie dyers at least here in the states um they have kind of the same bases Um, Mm. they all so remembering my gauge and needle size for certain projects I just kind of remember okay I know this dyer uses or these dyers use the same supplier so remembering my gauge for those dyers (laughs) um I don't often have to gauge swatch oh that's lucky well it was such a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much thank you for having me (laughs) you're welcome thank you so much for listening to the podcast if you would like to find out more about my work you can sign up to the newsletter on my website which is therapeuticknitting.org You can also follow me on Instagram at Knitting is Therapeutic. If you've enjoyed the podcast, it would be brilliant if you could leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe because it helps more people to learn about therapeutic benefits of knitting.